we will be talking about smart shoppers. Our text is found in Isaiah 55 and verse 2. And let us remember that the Bible, the Word of God, is the shopper's guide for the Christian. Let us read our text, Isaiah 55 and verse 2. Wherefore do you spend money for that which is not bread, and you labor for that which satisfieth not? Hearken diligently unto me, and eat ye that which is good, and let your soul delight itself in fatness. The question, Wherefore do you spend money for that which is not bread? I'm certain, very sure, that every listener, every one of us, would like to be able to stretch our food dollar a little farther. My wife and I were in the supermarket last Thursday shopping for groceries. And on the way out, I picked up a thrifty nickel paper. I am confident most people in this area know what the thrifty nickel paper is, or at least most poor people like myself know what it is. The thrifty nickel paper is a free paper which carries nothing but advertising, mainly small ads. I looked at some of the ads and concluded that my nickels weren't all that thrifty. Nearly every city of 10,000 or more population has some kind of a paper like the thrifty nickel. They may carry different names, but they are the same kind of paper. In the town where I formerly pastored, the paper was called the smart shopper. In another town, it was called the shopper's guide. And it seems as if I heard of one called the bargain basket. A person never ever gets too old to learn more about how to shop wisely. Not long ago, I was in the same food market I mentioned a moment ago and saw an old lady looking at the broccoli in the produce section. She picked up a stalk, turned it around, looked it all over, and then began to shake it real hard. I wondered what she was doing and drew a little closer under her. She was shaking the water off of the broccoli, and, beloved, there was plenty of water for her to shake off. I do not know how much she would have paid for that water at the cash register had she not shook it off. Now, when my wife sees me headed for the broccoli counter, she puts a distance between her and myself, for she knows I am going to shake the broccoli, and she does not want to be embarrassed by me waving the broccoli all around. I once boarded with a family... The husband and father in that family was a meat cutter, that is, a butcher. He would laugh about fooling the people by taking a hypodermic needle and shooting water into the hams and beef roast. The consumer advocate must have got after the meat wholesalers and caused them to label their hams and other meats to which they have added water. Next time you are in the market looking at their meats, check and see if not many of their hams have the label, Water Added. But I doubt that you will find one that tells you how much water has been added. Let me give you a shopping tip. When you buy a ham, do not put it in the bottom of your shopping bag because it may leak, soak the bag, and cause it to break open. Those canned goods hurt very much when they fall on your feet. Note the word bread in our text. It refers to more than cornbread and biscuits. It is a reference to our overall livelihood, including both our spiritual lives and physical lives. 
and I do not have anything to spend for that which is not bread. The term bread in the text is used metaphorically to speak of higher things and what the physical body requires. In the primary sense, it refers to spiritual life, for it says, Hearken diligently unto me, and eat ye that which is good, and note, and let your soul delight itself in fatness. Therefore the reference, beloved, is to that which nourishes the spirit, which nourishes the soul. The rich man of Luke chapter 12 made two fatal mistakes. His first mistake was he thought this life was the sum of his existence. His second mistake, which naturally followed, was he thought his soul could be fed with carnal things and thrive thereby. He said, This will I do. I will pull down my barns and build greater, and there will I bestow all of my fruits and my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, thou hast much goods laid up for many years. Take thine ease, eat, drink, and be merry. Multiplied millions of people are doing today the same thing this farmer done. They think to prosper in this life is the only thing that matters. But as with this foolish farmer, they too are in for a rude awakening. Now this farmer might have been a good cultivator, but he was a very poor prognosticator. Let us hear what God says to this farmer, who has spent his labor for that which satisfies not. And God said unto him, Thou fool, this night thy soul shall be required of thee. Then who shall these things or those things be which thou hast provided? Then the Lord says to us, So is he that layeth up treasure for himself and is not rich towards God. Luke twelve seventeen through 21. The apostle said, If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most miserable, that is, most pathetic, that is, most to be pitied. These words of Paul were spoken to some people who had denied the resurrection of Christ and had shut themselves up to a mere earth or time existence, and which, in consequence, starved the spiritual man or the soulish man. Now, let us for the next few minutes go on a shopping spree. That is, let us do some shopping for the soul. In this shopping, we will use the infallible shopping guide, and in so doing, we cannot help but be smart shoppers. And again, I repeat, the shopper's guide, the spiritual guide, is none other than God's infallible inspired Word. There is not a person on this earth who can afford to spend money for that which is not spiritual bread. And none should put forth spiritual labor that does not lift up his soul unto his God. First then, let us know. Beware. Before I mention some things, however, before we need before we need to be shopping for, I want us to clearly understand we are not and cannot shop for the salvation of our soul. I want to restate that, for it bears emphasis. Let me say, we are not and cannot shop for the salvation of our soul. Beloved, our souls are saved by the free grace of God by faith in Christ Jesus. This does not mean we are not to witness to one another and to everyone we can about the salvation of the soul. But the blessed truth is 
God has an infrangible franchise on the market of souls. He says, All souls are mine. And He has bought an infinite number of souls for heaven, and all others He has justly passed over and left them in the slave market, and they love it so. Christ came to this earth on His soul-buying mission. He did not come looking for a bargain, for He knew there was none to be found. The Scripture says of mankind, they are all gone out of the way. They are together become unprofitable. There is none that doeth good. No, not one. Romans chapter 3, verse 12. Since the fall of Adam, not one person has had any redeeming merit. No redeeming qualities. No, not one. The psalmist said, speaking of humanity, and I want you to note the adjective in this text. The psalmist said, speaking of humanity, they are altogether become filthy. Become filthy. The word filthy is an inspired adjective. It is written by the Holy Spirit. The Scriptures are sure hard on the vaunted pride of man. I do not want to sound uncouth, but I must be clear. Every Tuesday and Friday, I put out a bag of garbage. I put it out for the city to pick up. And many of you do the same thing. Maybe not on the same days, but the same kind of garbage. Now the ego-busting truth is, the souls which God has bought were at the time much more filthy than any garbage you or I have ever put out or could possibly put out. Would you not consider filthy rags garbage? Sure, sure you would. And that right away. I have been in nearly... Well, nearly, I have been in many homes, many, many homes, and I have never seen any filthy rags lying around in any of those homes. Before you jump on me for saying these things, I want you to know you would be jumping on the wrong person, for they are not original with me, but was first said by somebody who knew perfectly what he was talking about, and that person is the all-wise and sin-hating God. Now... Here's what he said on this matter through his spokesman, Isaiah. Isaiah 53 and verse 6. But we are all as an unclean thing. And I ask, is not garbage unclean? And all of our righteousnesses, plural, as filthy rags. However, I rejoice in knowing, as ill-deserving as the elect of God are of God's buying grace, he asks, is my hand shortened at all? that it cannot redeem. Isaiah 50 and verse 2. The unworthiness, depravity, and utter inability of His people to do the first good thing does in no way hinder or diminish the power of God's redeeming grace. God's buying ability is sovereign, absolutely sovereign, and He exercises His buying power according to His own goodwill and pleasure. If He wants to buy garbage, he buys it. Beloved, it is amazing, amazing what God can do with garbage. Paul the Apostle writing those words. He is living proof. He was diametrically opposed to everything that Jesus Christ stood for. But God in grace delivered him from his blindness, lifted him up and made him a vessel of grace and sent him forth to preach the Word of God. And he looked back on his former life and said it was misspent. 
Psalm 130 and verse 7. With the Lord there is mercy, and with Him is plenteous redemption. With this plenteous redemption, He is able to buy them from the uttermost state of sin. Hebrews 7.25 Then Paul says, He is able to redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto Himself a peculiar people, zealous of good works. Titus 2.14 Note, the text says, He is able to redeem us from all iniquity, from our very lowest state, from the most stinkingest person in the world. If God in the person of His Son died for that person on the cross, He shall cleanse that man, shall wash him and make him white, shall, beloved, station him in a place acceptable unto God. He shall, note, He is able to redeem us from all iniquity, beloved, that is, from our most loathsome state. Let us note a few of the things God has redeemed us from. First, our text says, Titus 2.14, that is, He has redeemed us from all iniquity. He hath redeemed us from the law. Galatians 4, verses 4 and 5. But when the fullness of the time was come, God sent forth His Son, made of a woman, made under the law, to redeem them that were under the law. He hath redeemed His people from the curse. First, we read, Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us. Galatians 3, verse 13. Then the old patriarch Job, 6 and verse 23, from the enemy's hand, from the hand of iniquity, the Lord hath redeemed us. He hath redeemed His people from their own old nature, that is, the flesh, and from the world, and bless God, He hath redeemed His people from the devil. Note, if you would, He hath also redeemed them from the grave. Psalm 49 and verse 15. But God will redeem my soul from the grave from the power of the grave, for He shall receive me. How glorious that is. When God sent His Son to buy back His people from the slave markets of sin, He told him, All that you buy, I shall conform to your image. Romans eight twenty nine and 1 John 3, 2. Which adds up, as Paul says, to eternal redemption. Hebrews 9 and verse 12. Seeing then that the bought ones have eternal redemption, and perfect redemption. It is utterly foolish for any person to talk about God returning what He has bought back to where He bought it. You and I make many mistakes in buying things at the local stores, and we might discover in it, even after arriving home, a flaw, and we shall return it back to the merchant. But this is not so with our God. What He buys, He keeps. What He buys, He makes perfect. Our Lord said in John 6:37, All that the Father giveth me shall come to me, and him that cometh to me, and I want you to know, I shall in no wise cast out or return back. I often take things back, and most of you have done it, but God never has, nor shall ever do it. In Psalm 37, verse 28, For the Lord forsaketh not His saints, they are preserved forever. And then in Jude 24 and 25 we read, Now unto him that is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless, faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy to the only wise God our Savior be glory and majesty, dominion and power both now and ever. Amen. Then too let us note the price 
the great price. Luke 1 and 68, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for He hath visited and redeemed His people. Hath visited and redeemed His people. Past tense. Redemption, beloved, has been accomplished in the person of Christ, suffering in the stead, in the room, vicariously for His people upon the cross. So in this text, even before Christ came, in the infinite counsel of God, it is spoken of in the past tense. Psalm 49 and verse 6, They that trust in their wealth and boast themselves in the multitude of their riches, none of them can by any means redeem his brother nor give to God a ransom for him. Wealth and riches represent the very best that lost man may have on this earth. And God says very plainly, that there is not enough riches in the world to pay a ransom for one soul. Thus it is, we read, For as much as you know that you were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversation, received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. First Peter 1.18 and 19 Money may be the answer to a lot of things, in this life, but all the money in the world cannot buy the least spiritual blessing, nay, not the least spiritual favor, much less the redemption of the soul. Yet it is the one thing all the world seeks after. Most men are buried with about ten pockets in their grave suit, but not ten cents in all of those pockets, for you see, money has never ever had any influence on God. It has no power with God. Let us listen in on one of heaven's song services, and this is what we hear. And they sung a new song, saying, Thou art worthy to take the book, and to open the seals thereof, for thou wast slain, and hast redeemed us to God by thy blood, out of every kindred tongue, people, and nation. Heaven's song of redemption. In Ephesians 1, 7, In whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of His grace. God's people are redeemed by riches, but it is the riches of God's grace and not the paltry wealth of this vain, dying world. Christ bought redemption with His own blood, but He gives it freely to His people. Redemption is the gift of God and is not for sale to men. God has posted His soul signs, S-O-L-D, on the house of redemption. Yet people keep on trying to buy it. They offer many and varied prices. They offer baptism, the communion wafer, morality, free will or decisionism, prayer, etc., etc. But all of these are bad checks drawn on account that was closed in Eden some 6,000 years ago when Grandpa Adam bankrupted his family. Beloved, spiritual bad checks are a crime. And our Lord said, all the endeavor to climb up some other way. And eventually he says in John 10, that they, that all that ever came before him are thieves and robbers. Beloved, they have tried to pass bad checks unto God for salvation, and he has canceled them all. Now, let us note some of the things saved people can buy. Bless God. Take your spiritual shopping guide, the blessed word, and go with us. Go to the store of grace. First we note they can buy spiritual truth. Proverbs 23, 23, Buy the truth and sell it not. 
We have already said money is not a means of barter with God. And one of the reasons it is not is because God has said, the gold and the silver is mine. So we need to ask, how then and with what can truth be bought? Beloved, truth can be bought with prayer. James 1.5 If any of you lack wisdom, any of you lack wisdom, that is, truth is wisdom. Let him ask of God, that giveth to all men liberally, and upbraideth not, and it shall be given him. Truth is the thing that feeds and nourishes the bought soul. Prayer is the means of obtaining things from God, and it is the lack of truth which causes the lives of many Christians to be spiritually impoverished. And this critical lack in their lives can be laid to a simple negative. You have not because you ask not. The fault lies with us, not with God. In Luke 11.10 we read, Everyone that asketh receiveth, and that seeketh findeth, and to him that knocketh it shall be opened. David prayed, Teach me, O Lord, the way of thy statute, thy truth, and I will keep it unto the end. Give me understanding, and I shall keep thy law. Psalm 119, verse 34. Solomon the wisest king of Israel, prayed unto God, saying, Give me now wisdom and knowledge. And the Lord said, Wisdom and knowledge is granted unto thee. Solomon did not ask for fame and riches, but he prayed for wisdom so as to lead so great a people, God's people, into truth. Money can buy a college education and expand the horizons of our native intellect. But the very best of colleges cannot cause the natural mind to know the first truth about God. Men of this world are forevermore learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth, never able to buy the glorious truth of the Word of God. 1 Corinthians 2.14 But the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him, and neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. But the intellectually illiterate who know Christ and petitions Him for a deeper understanding of His precious Word shall receive it. Christ said, Whatsoever ye ask of the Father in my name, He may give it you. John fifteen sixteen. Thus it is we pray, Dear God, give us wisdom. Dear God, give us truth that we may live lives exemplary, emulating the Son of God as we make our pilgrimage on this earth. Then, too, truth may be bought by Bible study. Truth is profitable. 2 Timothy 2.15 Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Beloved, no, rightly dividing the word of truth. Therefore, there must be a wrong way to divide it, which would create a deficit in spiritual wisdom. In 2 Timothy 3.16 and 17, all Scripture is given by the inspiration of God, and note, and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, truly furnished unto all good work. The blessed Word of God, the truth which is personified in Jesus Christ, beloved, is profitable to the Christian in every facet of his life. 1 Timothy 4, 13 and 15, Till I come... Give attendance, give attendance to reading, to exhortation, to doctrine. Meditate upon these things. Give thyself wholly to them, that thy profiting 
may appear to all. Beloved, we want to fill our basket of grace up with the great things of the Word of God. Acts 20.20, 20, I kept back nothing that was profitable unto you, but have showed you and have taught you publicly and from house to house. Fourthly, the Scripture teaches that the believer in Christ should buy up time. Ephesians 5.16 and 17, See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time, because the days are evil. Wherefore, be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. Why are we to buy up or redeem the time? Well, Paul says we should do it because the days are evil. And I don't think there is a person in the sound of my voice who will argue for one second with that statement. The days are evil, beloved. Let us redeem the time. Redeeming the time. Bless God. And we read in 1 Corinthians 15, 58, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. For as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. The redeeming of time is not in vain. 